When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The FT. Welcome to this edition of World Weekly with me, Gideon Rachman. This week we focus on France, where President François Hollande's approval ratings have dropped to a sorry 23%. The president's plummeting popularity comes against the background of a weak economy and controversy over the deportation of a Roma schoolgirl. But this week the French government hit back against America with vociferous complaints about US spying. And all these issues, the economy, immigration and American intelligence gathering, have implications well beyond France. So where does President Hollande go from here? Joining me on the line from Paris is Hugh Carnegie, our bureau chief there. And here in the studio is Ben Hall, our former correspondent in France. Hugh, if I can start with you first, I've referred to President Hollande's plummeting popularity. Is that a bit too strong? I mean, he's, he's been doing pretty bad in the polls for quite a long time now, hasn't he? Well, if you look at the curve, it really started only a few months after he came to office in May 2012. By the end of that summer, he was already starting to sink. And the 23% that you referred to was actually stable compared with the previous month. So he's kind of bumping along the bottom, one thinks, although, of course, it's entirely possible after another couple of rather bad weeks for him, that he will go lower. But he is at poll ratings, which are unprecedented for a president at his stage of his presidency, really more or less in the entire history of the Fifth Republic. And what's the real problem? Is it his personal style? Is it the economy? And has this controversy over the deportation of the Roma schoolgirl, has that also damaged him badly? The answer to that is yes, it has damaged him. I think, though, of course, at the root of everything is the state of the economy. There is still in France, I think, considerable gloom about where the French economy is going, despite the fact that the indicators are now showing an upturn and the IMF is talking about 1% growth next year, which compared to what's gone before is quite encouraging. But I think there's a general feeling still with unemployment still rising, that this government has not dropped to grips with some of the fundamental economic problems in France, that it hasn't reformed sufficiently to create the conditions for a more robust and sustainable growth. And that's where Hollande's style and his personality comes into the equation, because I think there's a general feeling that he hasn't been strong enough, that he hasn't shown a real direction. He hasn't convinced people that he really knows where he's taking the country. There's a feeling that he hasn't perhaps confronted some vested interests in a way that he might have been able to do as the leader of a majority socialist government. And the latest episode with this affair over the deportation of this young Roma schoolgirl and her family really compounded that disillusion with his leadership. He was seen to have reacted very weakly, culminating in him for reasons that nobody can quite understand, turning it into a kind of national presidential issue by appearing at very short notice on national television in the middle of a Saturday afternoon to proclaim what was widely seen as a rather feeble compromise, which neither side, those opposing him on the left or the right, felt achieved anything. And so he was left looking like his authority already weakened, was damaged to a further degree. Ben, um, now that we've heard, one of the complaints against President Hollande is that he's weak, he doesn't look presidential. 
You covered France, however, when they had a very activist, energetic president, Sarkozy, and he didn't seem that popular either. I mean, he was defeated. So are the French just a gloomy bunch, come what may? But in a way, that's the point. Perhaps what we're now recognising is the French were never convinced by François Hollande. It's just that they were completely turned off Nicolas Sarkozy because of his personality and because of his authoritarian style of government. I mean, Hollande only just scraped victory in the presidential election. One shouldn't forget that. And that is quite remarkable given how unpopular Sarkozy was. And I think that perception of Hollande as a man of an inveterate compromiser who's always seeking the middle ground, who never wants to take difficult decisions, who never wants to stick his neck out, put his neck on the line, who is just a survivor, has really been born out now in the in the last 12 months of his presidency. I guess in some ways he's also an accidental president in the sense that he benefited hugely from the downfall of Dominique Strauss-Kahn, who up until then was likely to be the socialist candidate. Yes, I think he had a great stroke of fortune in Dominic Strauss-Kahn's downfall in, in New York. That's certainly true. And I think had he faced a challenge, he would have lost the race. And are there any strong figures, however, in the Socialist Party government or indeed in the opposition? Because people say that the man at the centre of this controversy, Manuel Valls, the interior minister, is actually a very popular person and that even the deportation of the Roman school girl, although it outraged left-wing opinion was in line with public opinion. Well, Valls is a very interesting character, partly because he perhaps ticks those French boxes. He's quite conservative, you might say, on social issues. He's tough on law and order. And yet he's also, I mean, he's a man of the left, although not very far left. He is about as close as you get to a new Labour type figure. He once proposed getting rid of the name socialist from the Socialist Party. He's a bit of a wild card in the French socialist camp, but he perhaps because he looks so decisive and fresh and different has proved very popular. Now, Hugh, as we were saying, there was a rejection of Sarkozy in the last presidential election. The centre-right seemed to be in terrible disarray. President Hollande and his party are in bad shape. So where do the French turn? I mean, people are a bit concerned by the rise of the National Front, particularly the success of Marine Le Pen's party in recent local elections. And I think they should be. There's every indication that the National Front is making the running right now. Now, they're coming from a very long way behind. They have only a couple of members of parliament and they're not at all well represented. In fact, they're almost not represented at all at at kind of local municipal level across the country. But there is definitely a momentum building behind them. That's seen in the opinion polls quite strongly, some startling opinion polls. There was one recently that showed that 44% of French people thought that Marine Le Pen was the person who was most capable of reforming France. And it's been borne out in these by-elections we've had recently, too, where they've defeated both the centre-right UMP party, Sarkozy's party, and the socialists. So undoubtedly, and I think everywhere you go in France at the moment, people are expressing concern that in the municipal elections, particularly and the European elections next spring, the National Front are going to make a big breakthrough, and people are concerned about that. Sarkozy's party, the UMP, is hopelessly split over the leadership. They don't have a compelling figure aside from that of Sarkozy himself, who is to some degree kind of biding his time over whether he will, as most people assume he wants to, make a comeback. But we wouldn't probably expect to see that for some time yet. Now, that actually brings us back to Hollande and Manuel Valls. I talked to Manuel Valls quite recently about this issue, really, of where the centre in French politics really lies. And he remarked that it was very much to the left, for example, of Britain, because in Britain we had the whole Margaret Thatcher era, which shifted the political centre to the right. And Mr. Valls, I think, is intent, indeed, for his own purposes, because this is an ambitious man, but on behalf also of Hollande, to try to continue to position this government in the centre, 
The Hollande camp have absolutely by no means given up on their man. There is a feeling here that there's still nearly four years to go before a presidential election. If the economy recovers somewhat, given the disarray on the mainstream right amongst the UMP, and given the fact that confronted with the National Front, many French people will look for a real alternative in the democratic centre, that Hollande may yet emerge to be a serious runner next time around. And a rather wise old bird, a senior French businessman, said to me the other day, all this noise right now accounts for very little. What will really matter is what the unemployment rate is in three years' time. Now, unemployment is now 11%. It looks like it'll peak somewhere in the next few months. But that's the real challenge for Hollande now, to see if he can wrestle down unemployment and put the economy back on some kind of growth footing over the next couple of years. Well, the economy is obviously crucial. I'll come back to that in a minute. But just before we do, I'd just like to develop, Ben, that thought on the National Front, because that was a startling statistic, 44% thinking that Marine Le Pen could reform France best. Obviously, her strategy is to, as they say, detoxify the National Front to convince people that they can vote for her. How far she got in that process? I think she's clearly less toxic than her father. So in a way, she herself embodies a bit of the uh, detoxification, if you saw what I mean. But I don't think the party itself has been completely detoxified. There are still some pretty nasty characters in its ranks. But I think what she's been very clever at is actually focusing on more sort of mainstream populist issues, if you want to put it like that. Bankers pay an overweening Europe and eroding French sovereignty. What's interesting is that it's not just a French phenomenon. She's very much part of a pan-European phenomenon. The FT did some Harris polling recently, and it found that 23% of French people said they would vote for a Eurosceptic party in next year's European elections. That's just behind the UK. And we think of the UK as being the really Eurosceptic nation in Europe. Now, people think, rightly or wrongly, that a lot of these problems will be dissolved or, or at least ameliorated if the economy picks up. But that's a big if. Hugh, what's your sense of that? Do you think Alon's going to get lucky and that we've turned the corner on the economy and, and the unemployment rate, that key statistic, will be down when he's going to run for a re-election? Well, I do think that there is a tendency in France to overdo the morosity and overdo the pessimism. Because when you look at the French economy, it does have some fundamental strengths. I mean, certainly looking to the longer term, when you compare it with Germany, demographics is something that is very much on France's side. It still has a squadron of incredibly successful companies on the international stage. And it has a lot of other qualities. There's quite a lot going on, perhaps slightly under the radar in France in terms of startup industries in new digital technologies and so on, where France is actually quite strong, given a a fair wind and maybe a bit more deregulation and some more tweaks to the tax regime that could help things take off. But at the moment, lacking a certain determination, perhaps, to, to really take bolder steps, there does seem to be essentially here a reliance on the broader cycle across Europe and, and the global economy lifting France up. And it's hard to see that unemployment will come down very significantly, certainly in the next one to two years, given that we're only expecting 1% growth next year. And as an economist pointed out to me in France, you really need 2% growth to make much impact on employment. And Ben, to conclude, I mean, Hugh quite rightly points to the deep strengths of the French economy, strong companies and, and so on. And yet, as an outsider, two things strike me, I guess. One is that the state consumes an enormous percentage of GDP in France. Is it, what, 55%? Yes, even a bit higher, yeah. And the second is that the debt keeps rising. And so they they haven't balanced the budget since the 1970s. So 
Hugh referred to this morosité. I mean, are the French right to be morose in the sense that if they can't reform, and it's very hard to reform, there will be a crisis, or can things pick up anyway? I think the problem for France is not that there will be a sudden precipitous crisis. It's just a slow, inexorable decline that will come because of their inability to make small adjustments. And that seems to be the real problem. So if I might refer back again to this Harris polling that we did last week, and we asked, would Angela Merkel's re-election in Germany be good for your country? And by far the highest positive result was in France. 67% said yes, much higher than in Germany. And it seems that the French are yearning for the Merkel recipe of quiet authority influence in Europe and her recipe of competitiveness and self-reliance. And it seems that that's what they really want. Okay, thank you very much indeed. Thanks to Ben Hall here in the studio in London and thanks also to Hugh Carnegie in Paris. That's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts.